0: Our first reading is Psalm number 12. Help, O Lord, for there is no longer anyone who is godly. The faithful have disappeared from humankind. They utter lies to each other, with flattering lips and a double heart they speak. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips, the tongue that makes great boasts. Those who say, with our tongues we will prevail, Our lips are our own. Who is our master? Because the the poor are despoiled, because the needy groan, I will now rise up, says the Lord. I will place them in the safety for which they long. The promises of the Lord are promises that are pure, silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. You, O Lord, will protect us. You will guard us from this generation forever. On every side the wicked prowl, as vileness is exalted amongst humankind. May we understand those words. Our second reading this morning is the beginning of the letter of Paul to the Galatians. Chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle, sent neither by human commission nor from human authorities but through jesus christ and god the father who raised him from the dead and all the members of god's family who are with me to the churches of galatia grace to you and peace from god our father and the lord jesus christ who gave himself for our sins to set us free from the present evil age, according to the will of of our God and Father.
1: As we hear the stories of bombings in Syria, deliver us from evil. As we see the pictures of people queuing at the checkpoints between Israel and Palestine, pictures of children facing threats on their way to school, deliver us from evil. As we encounter the realities of an austerity programme that sees the rise in food banks and the lack of affordable housing deliver us from evil. As we're horrified once again at the massacring of children in school and the blindness of legislators who are in the power of the gun lobby deliver us from the evil. As we're confused and unnerved by stories of nerve agents and threats deliver us from evil. As we discover the depth of child sexual exploitation, deliver us from evil. As we try to understand why it seems necessary to sell bombs to regimes who will use them to destroy whole communities, deliver us from evil. When the stories of the threat to and the damage to the natural environment horrify us, deliver us from evil. When illness descends on us from nowhere, deliver us from evil. When we lose what we've depended on, deliver us from evil. When death is close, when death takes the people we love, deliver us from evil. As we face the world in its complexity and pain, violence and inhumanity, deliver us from evil. Do not take us into the times of testing. When we try to hold on to faith, In love and life and resurrection to the good purposes of God even the possibility that God is there deliver us from evil it's one of the most basic prayers it's the prayer in the middle of the night when it all piles in and all the news is bad and the world is a scary place and there are monsters under the bed or in our head or in the government, and we're powerless and we're frightened for ourselves and for those we love and for the possibility of living well and living quietly. It's the prayer when evil seems all-powerful and resistance to it, futile and weak. Deliver us from evil, free us, protect us, make us safe from what threatens to destroy us. Even the first part of the phrase, do not lead us into temptation, or better, more accurately, do not bring us to the time of trial or testing as a similar thrust. Keep us safe, protect us, rescue us, defend us. Somebody said to me once, I don't know how to pray. All I do when I pray is I beg, I plead that God will look after me, look after the people I love, look after the world. And so we looked at the Lord's Prayer and at this phrase and at the petition for daily bread and realised that's all we do. When we do that, we ask for what we need and we ask to be safe. We have to acknowledge that even if we are uncomfortable with it, in our sophistication and our self-reliance, right there, in the middle of how Jesus teaches those who want to follow him how to pray, there are these basic, almost instinctive prayers give us what we need to live to live and keep us safe from what threatens us that's how jesus taught us to pray and there's nothing wrong in it there's nothing wrong in coming to god with what can seem like basic childish prayers for what we need and for protection when the threats seem huge and overwhelming and our survival feels fragile because we start the prayer our father We start the prayer affirming that we are children and we always remain children to our parents, however grown up we are. And even more, there are always moments when we want to recognize that we are children, when we long for the parents we have known to be there for us now. Or even more, for the parents we never knew, for whatever reason, that there will be somebody to look after us. And how much more is that true in relation to the God who is eternal and ultimate and absolute and utter? However sophisticated and wise and powerful and self-reliant we are, when we confront the reality of all that is, the source of all being, the truest of all truths, we are but toddlers in capacity and outlook and understanding. This prayer, naming God as Father and asking for our most basic needs, is a powerful and not to be dismissed reminder of who we are. We may have all sorts of capacity and strength, we do. And it's a rich blessing, and we may have all sorts of insight and power, but in the face of the depth and the implacability of the universe, we are tiny and powerless and fragile, and we are children. And it's appropriate to allow that to be part of our prayer. And so we get to, and we're allowed to, we are instructed to pray, Protect us, save us, free us from what threatens and endangers us. All that stuff out there that is scary and overpowering, protect us. And protect us from ourselves. But this prayer for deliverance is also prayer that we are not led into temptation. We want to affirm with James that, as he writes in his letter that God does not tempt anyone. James is very clear in his writing. What he wants to do is ensure his readers are not given the possibility of passing off as none of their responsibility the times when they fail or sin. So he says very clearly, No one when tempted should say, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself tempts no one. One is tempted by one's own desire, being lured and enticed by it. Then when that desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, gives birth to death. And do not be deceived, my children. The doctrine that God is fully responsible for everything that happens in the world is one of the consequences of a strict form of monotheism. There is one God. And if the ultimate power is God's, and there's none to match God, as, for example, the Psalms will assert, then going alongside that is the claim that, for example, we explored in Lamentations, those of you who were with us during Lent last year, that evil and suffering and distress also originate with God and to explore otherwise is to move to a position where there's an equal opposite power to that of God's which a, a radical monotheist cannot sustain but James exploring the practical realities of following Jesus trusting God as Jesus teaches and reveals insists God cannot be blamed for our capacity to do what we know to be wrong that belongs to us And we cannot shirk our responsibility for our actions and our choices saying God made me do it or even the devil made me do it. James is very clear where temptation starts. It starts in our desires. And Lent is traditionally the time when we're challenged to reflect on and indeed, traditionally, resist our desires. Always with the undertow of suspicion that to desire is in itself sinful or less than perfect, but surely that can't be so. We have the capacity to desire that which is good and life-giving, joy and justice and freedom. We can desire all sorts of things that are life-affirming, good food, pleasure, love, community, sexual satisfaction, intellectual excitement, stimulation, peace, quiet. Desire is an indication of what is deepest in us and what shapes our choices and decisions. Desire is the capacity to see, to imagine something we do not have and identify it as a good and therefore to seek it but the question is around what we identify as good, not do we desire. People do not, on the whole, actively set out to want or do what they define as bad or hurtful or dangerous. That's not how we're made. If we want something, a thing, a condition, a position, a situation, it is because in some way we consider it worthy of wanting, and that its achievement, either owning it or bringing it about or experiencing it, will be for our good and for our pleasure. And so it's always a good exercise to ask, what is it that I desire? What is it that is shaping my actions and choices, my decisions, the places I put my energy? Not what should I desire, and therefore I will set myself to do it, but what in fact is underlying my wanting? What is my deepest desire? And here is where the prayer of preservation from temptation or testing comes to focus. Desiring's not a problem, but what we desire That may sometimes, may often be less than we were made for. If we pray as we do earlier in this prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done, then we're praying for God's desire to be fulfilled. And if that is our prayer, is it our desire, our deepest desire? And if it is our deepest desire, then to pray not to be brought to testing is to ask that our actions and our choices are shaped by and determined through our desires in line with this kingdom. It's a prayer that our desiring is a reflection and an expression of the desiring of God. So it's less about stop us from doing wrong, and more about help us to have big enough, deep enough, wide enough desires, not just limited to me and my immediate sense of what is possible or achievable, but to dare to desire the fullness of the intentions of God for creation, including me. Life and fulfillment and justice and flourishing and freedom. Lead us not into temptation. Give us a big enough imagination to know what God wants and to want it with God. Sometimes our imaginations are a bit big. Sometimes we are a bit grandiose in our desiring and our fantasizing. It's worth remembering that the story that we're told in Genesis of the first temptation and sin is not of the eating of the, what was forbidden, but the reason given for it, the justification for it. We rarely set out to do what we know to be wrong. We put a lot of effort into convincing ourselves that what we want is right. And it's often in the justifying of the action of the choice that the brokenness of the world is embedded. When Eve meets the temptation to eat the fruit, it's not because the fruit tastes good. It's in order to become like God. That's the temptation, that's the fantasy and the desire that shape our action. Our desires may sometimes be too small, but sometimes they are too grandiose in the sense that they're wrongly directed. Instead of desiring God and God's desire, we desire to be God, to be in control, to be all-powerful and to be self-sufficient. Not to be able to say, our Father, give me what I need. To be able to make it happen for ourselves. By acknowledging in this prayer, our lack of power in controlling the world and in controlling ourselves, And in opening ourselves to and committing ourselves to desires that are big enough and wide enough and wonderful enough to be in line with God's desire for creation. We're recognizing we are not big enough to be God. In this prayer we are set free from the need to be all-powerful. We are rescued from the fantasy that we can make it all okay. We can be in control. And that freedom is where we flourish and discover life, liberated from the need or the desire to be like God, we can find ourselves loved by God. And the I, that you are ultimately, absolutely, unshakably loved, is the heart of the gospel story. And it entails the recognition that the lover is the one who is ultimate, not us. We love because we are loved. We live because we are loved. We do good because we are loved. We are delivered from evil and protected from destruction and brought to prayer because we are loved. And because we are so radically loved, we can let go of the need to be of ultimate concern to ourselves because we are of ultimate concern to the one who is more complete and more real and more being than we can ever be. And so is more trustworthy and has more good intention towards us and is more loving of us than we can ever be for ourselves. So this prayer, which can sound so desperate, so despairing, is in reality the expression of deep trust and hope. That we can entrust ourselves to the one who can hold and sustain and rescue and protect us and all that is more than we ever can. And so we pray, deliver us from evil. And when we pray it, we're praying not only for our own rescue and our own protection in a world which can feel threatening and destructive, we can, if we dare, also pray that the world is protected from us, from our capacity and tendency to sin, our imagining because of damage we have sustained or our aptitude to mess up and break things, our wrongly ordered, wrongly directed desires, our imagining that we are in control. And then trying to make that happen deliver us from evil can be the prayer deliver us all of us from the evil that emerges that we practice that we get involved in almost without our noticing when we pray deliver us from evil we can if we choose if we're willing not to be the only matter of our praying we're willing not to be the center of the world we can be praying deliver us from the desire to possess, that means that we hoard and so deny others the ability to live, deliver us from the desire to be comfortable, that means we choose not to see and so let others die, deliver us from the desires of self-gratification, that take the form of the temptations to lust and greed, that means we refuse to see others humanity and claim on us and instead treat them as objects for our use. Deliver us from the desire for security at all cost that leads us to the violence that will destroy all that we fear or regard as not us. Deliver us from the desire for quietness that becomes lethargy and laziness and refuses to see others as real. Here is where this prayer takes us into the possibility of the radical honesty of the children of God. When we allow ourselves to know that we do not need to be perfect, we do not need to be in control we do not need to justify ourselves or protect ourselves because we are so profoundly loved then we can recognize that all too often the evil that from which we need to be delivered has its roots in our own actions and not to be forgotten the evils that others pray to be delivered from is sometimes what we are doing it has its roots in our behavior And it's also the honesty that we are and need to be dependent on a power and even more on a presence that is greater than we are. There have been all sorts of debates about how we make sense of and make a model of or describe what the cross means. And as we move ever nearer Good Friday, this comes ever nearer the surface of our reflecting. And one of the oldest conceptions of what Jesus is doing on the cross is summed up in this prayer. He is rescuing those who cannot free themselves from the entanglement and entrenchment in the patterns and practices that damage and deny life and that hurt and limit and destroy. That's what Paul was talking about when he was writing to the Galatians, the one who sets us free. But the sin and the evil from which we pray for protection is not just individual. It may have personal expression, but it also has systemic reality. We believe and affirm that the presence and the love of God is an absolute reality. But we'd be foolish if we didn't equally recognize and accept that the kingdom is not here. And there are forces bigger than individuals, even if made present through the acts of individuals, bigger than individuals that resist the kingdom and undermine moves to justice and challenge the possibility of joy and attack the tendency, the movement to love and to life. And so we pray deliver us because we cannot deliver ourselves. We need that which is bigger. As we pray, deliver us from evil, as well as praying in the voice of the child, keep me safe, and in the voice of the desiring person, purify my desires, bring them into the line with the desires of God. We pray too in the voice of those who know the reality in which we try to live. Set us free from the entanglements and powers of the systems that resist the kingdom. Set us free not to play by the rules of those forces that dominate. This is a prayer that asks for a spirit of playful subversion and creative resistance, of unexpected new ways of being and relating and functioning to become our way of being. To pray, deliver us from evil, is to ask that the Spirit of God will so shape our way of seeing ourselves and one another and the world that we will not be shaped by the dominating systems of evil, of acquisition or competition or violence, And that we'll be free to live the kingdom of God's desiring into being. And deliver us from evil is above all a prayer. It's not a wish. And it's not an exhortation. And that's always the danger when we talk about prayer. We can so easily come to the point where what we end up talking about is what we should do as a result of what the prayer is mentioning. And forget that prayer isn't an exhortation to us to do better or become perfect. It is talking to the one who loves us and longs to meet with us and work with us and bless us and heal us and renew us. And will do that and more as we pray. For in the end, this is what this is. It's a prayer. It's not a good resolution to sort ourselves or the world out, it's not the determination to get it right, it's not the need to sort the other out. Prayer is coming to the source and centre of all love with our hands open and empty and recognising our need and waiting to receive, even if what we receive is not what we thought we needed. And so in the face of violence and threat and destruction and anger and hatred, we pray, deliver us from evil. And in the face of our own capacity to hurt and hate and dehumanize and judge and limit and deny, we pray, deliver us from evil. And in the face of systems that entangle us and shape our thinking and our seeing, our choosing and our action, we pray, deliver us from evil. And in recognition of our penultimacy, Deliver us from everything inside and outside which is greater than us and would distort and deny and damage and destroy us because you, the one we pray to, the source and the center, the depth of love, you are the one who is greater than our hearts and than all evil. Amen.
2: So let us now come together to the source and center of love and pray with one another. Divine Creator, the God who set the land aside, separated the ways from the sky, created humanity in your image, and saw that it was all good, we come before you in prayer now, acknowledging that your creation is marred, tainted, broken. We pray for the continued impacts of global warming, and the systems of capitalist greed that not only enable, but actively further destruction of your world. For toxic chemicals that are used because they are cheap. For your humanity used as slaves to produce goods that others simply do not need. For your oceans that we have turned to dumping grounds when we grow tired of disposable happiness. Creator God, may we see your creation as a gift to steward not an empire to rule. Yet, even in the despair of a damaged world, we praise you for the beauty we still find within it, the spectacular spring blossoms in Southwest China, for the life of Stephen Hawking and the extravagance of a mind so profound, for the charities that work tirelessly to restore balance to the created world and bring species back from the brink of extinction we thank you for the depths of your created being that spill forth into our lives. Divine Redeemer, the God who became flesh, walked among their created people, shared life with the humbled and lost, who came to redeem systems of injustice, to set forth another way. We bow our heads in prayer and are thankful for the redemptive work that you delivered. We think of the lives who you touched and now look to our own city of London today, reminded that so many people go without physical contact. The elderly who are trapped at home, the homeless who are ignored, the sex workers who are outcast. We cry out for, those, for those, the, the news reports briefly and then share them but forget them again for those starving and under siege in Yemen, for those trapped in Gaza and have seemingly faced more military attacks in the last 24 hours, for those surrounded in Ghouta in Syria with no escape and military bombardment on all sides. We repent of the part we play in these global atrocities, for Britain's continued sale of arms to Saudi Arabia, for our unwillingness to be leaders of peace and encouragers of dialogue for our military intervention, interventions in countries that have destabilized entire regions. Divine sustainer, the God who is ever present, who is in the very fabric of our created being, yet who tr- transcends our ability to describe. It is your wisdom we seek, your justice we desire to see more of. Your goodness, we pray to be poured out across our lives, our city, our country, and our world. We daily battle with news reports, questioning where the truth truly is. From reports that our online personal information is being used intelligently against us in political scheming, to the remarkable exploits of an ex-spy and our government's response to their home nation, for countries that value gun ownership over the lives of young people, people of color, women. We pray for your wisdom in how to respond, caution our tongues, and bring peace to our furrowed brows. But even in the despair of an angry world, we praise you for the seeds of hope that blossomed like seeds in spring, for the dialogue between North and South Korea, for the Me Too movement that seeks to hear the voices of of abused women and enable a future of equality, for the investments in community health workers in sub-Saharan Africa, which has seen infant deaths cut in one district of Mali. We thank you for your restorative, justive works through, above, and around us. Our father, our mother, our perfect parent, who art in heaven and yet with us right here in the now as well. Deliver us from the evils that we have created. Deliver us from the evils that we allow to go unchallenged. Deliver us from the evils that we are too blinkered to see. Protect us, we pray. And may your kingdom continue to come on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.